The following presentation is brought to you through the power of science. Shiny. Um, I've been reading Carrie Fisher's book, this book. The Princess Diarist? Yes. Um, where she reveals all her secrets about having an affair with Harrison Ford. Mm -hmm. And first of all, she talks about how they used to meet up at this pub that's still there. So catch me at the North Star when I go back to England, first of all. <laughs> um, second of all, there is this part where she says that she was at, and nobody knew, um, of course, that they were like having a thing. She's at Harrison's apartment in London. And then Mark and one of the other guys from, I don't, I don't remember if it was a producer who like showed up and it mm -hmm. was like kind of early, like a weird time of the morning. Like it was like a 10 or 11 or something. Mm -hmm. And so they show up and Carrie's just kind of there. And she said that Harrison let them in and then walked over and sat back down across from her, took her hand and just went, we're engaged. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought that was so funny. <laughs> smooth. He's nothing if not smooth. <laughs> gotta cover up the affair <laughs> oh man welcome to generations geek a more or less family-friendly celebration of all that is geeky i'm science fiction writer and editor scott pearson and along with my daughter ella hello we are two generations of geek this is episode 61 the first show of our sixth season featuring our very special guest noah Aberbach Cops, everyone's favorite 32nd century Andorian, Ren from Star Trek Discovery. Now, on with the show. Noah Aberbach Katz, welcome to Generations Geek. Well, thank you for having me, Scott, Ella. I'm happy to be here, happy to, uh, you know, talk only about uh, Star Trek Generations, the movie, where you have a different <laughs> guest on to only talk about that movie in particular. <laughs> I won't be speaking about anything else, just Star Trek Generations. You've heard of us. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I'm, I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me, guys. Well, we are excited to have you. I was saying a little bit before, um, that we haven't really done many interviews since the pandemic started. So we're, you know, I'm curious, you know, how's your lockdown been? Did you get into anything? You know, did you start like baking bread? Was there <laughs> an interest? Well, gosh, well, I have done many interviews since the lockdown started. I've really been on the opposite trajectory. Early on in <laughs> lockdown, we were in New York, uh, like in March of last year, I know last year, uh, it sucked. It was terrible. It was just, uh, just absolute crap. We tried to make bread, but it was too depressing. We tried growing plants indoors. They all died. I tried making ice cream. Our kitchen was too small. So we just gave up and started ordering takeout for the next year. Uh, but, you know, really what I have been doing is, um, uh, I, I, you know, my, my brief stint in the Star Trek universe uh, came and went, and I have been enjoying and and wringing it dry of every little morsel of enjoyment that I possibly can. Uh, you know, it was funny because at first I was starting to get really bummed out because, you know, in reference to this podcast, I, I, I really, really wanted to, you know, be able to go home and watch it with my mom and, and kind of share that event with her. And I was starting to feel really bummed out that I wasn't going to be able to fly home and, and do this thing. But it actually 
turned out to be this kind of amazing gift uh, in these times, you know, where you sort of call somebody and they're like, how are you? And the person's like, still bad, still really bad. <laughs> um, so we, you know, this has, it's been this kind of thing that we've got to share uh, for the past almost three or four months now. So uh, that's really what I've been getting into is just sort of um, getting to, you know, share the episodes coming out and then talk to people about them and my stories that I've been sitting on for like five years now. So uh, it's been it's been a really actually a, a really, really fun thing to get to, to, to spend my time doing. Well, and once you're in the Star Trek family, you're in forever. <laughs> I hope so. You know, I, I'm still waiting for somebody to just like for me to be doing some interview and somebody just in the background be like, shut up. <laughs> uh, but so far you know that hasn't happened that hasn't happened um and you know i i hope that on some level i feel like you know i've been to enough star trek, trek conventions where i'm like you know i've heard the stories before and then it's like oh they're telling my favorite story so hopefully somebody out there is is doing that and and if i'm being really realistic the person who is out there is my mom being like she's critiquing <laughs> how i'm telling a particular stories you left this detail it wasn't it wasn't good enough so hi mom yeah well let's talk about your mom for a little bit so she's a oh, super let's fan. oh let's let's she let's got talk you about started my mom. usually i have to pay money to do this so this is great you know usually <laughs> Usually it's, you know, $200 an hour to talk about my mom. So this is just fantastic. Yeah, you know, uh, she is a total, was a total Trek fan, a total, like, you know, utopia fan. She sort of loved the, that utopia idea that Trek sort of presented. Uh, you know, kind of raised watching the TOS reruns, not the original airings, but the reruns. And then was just really, really big into Next Gen She's a therapist, and so obviously there's a huge identification with Troy and just the sort of uh, overall ethos of that show. And then when I came along, uh, it was basically like my dad was like, look, you can be anything you want, do anything you want. You can't be a Republican. That's it. <laughs> and my mom said, I will love you no matter what. You can do anything, but you are a Star Trek fan. There's no escaping it. Um <laughs> So I don't know if that relates to you at all, Ella, but that's certainly my experience. Uh, and, oh, for sure. Uh, yeah. Oh, uh, I, I, I did not uh, issue any edicts. I, uh, oh, there were no edicts issued because it was so it was so completely, you know, a thing that was happening. There was no decision that I had to be made. You know, I was she was texting me, actually, because she's listening to podcasts. She's like, you're getting this wrong, though, and it's really pissing me off. Um, <laughs> She was she was like, you didn't go to your first Star Trek convention when you were 12 or 13. You went when you were eight. And I was like, oh, of course. How could I forget? You know, so that was that early. Just she was like, get in the car. And I was like, OK, you know, I hope I'm not getting in, dropped on the side of the road somewhere. But instead, we would go to a Star Trek convention. And when you go to a Star Trek convention when you're eight, it doesn't matter how hard you want to say, oh, I'm not a Trek fan. I don't really do that. My mom has the pictures. You know, it's over. It's done. I'm there. I'm in I'm in the uniform. I'm I'm looking my best, you know, my my peak years between nine and 12. Everybody's really looking great those days, especially in the Star Trek uniform. Uh, and so, you know, it's it's just done. I'm just done at that point. So she really made sure to kind of paint me into that corner from which there is no escape. Well, Ella, I you think are you were about describing 12. 
Yeah, you are <laughs> describing my my childhood. Yeah, I feel like by eight, I was pretty self-identifying that I love yeah. Star Trek because yeah. I was very early with animated series. But <laughs> amazing, then, yeah. Was was the uh, was the convention with Shatner and Nimoy your first mm-hmm. one? Yeah, yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm sure. Which wow. I, you know, barely remember. Yeah. <laughs> but it's all been downhill. You got the best, and then it's just like, oh. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, all right. Yeah. <laughs> so was Star Trek, um, kind of like always your your big thing, your first sort of sci-fi interest? Did it sort of branch out from there? You know, it's a good question. I don't really like consume a ton of media. Like I'm not a big. I don't watch a ton of TV. I, you know, I consume a lot of Dungeons and Dragons media, but that's for a different podcast. But like, I, I don't really do that. The, you know, it's strange because once it's in you, it's sort of like everything sort of relates to it. So now, whenever I watch a show, I'm like, is this as good as Star Trek? Is this as good as Next Gen? No, I don't really care. You know, is this as nuanced? Are they thinking it's starting? Nah, whatever. Um, so. You know, it it did put me in the sort of mindset mindset. It, it it made me very attuned to like thoughtful science fiction in a way where like I sort of constantly approach media like that. So when I watch, I feel like you know so many new uh, new shows are sort of like in the Game of Thrones model, which is like. Uh, you know, using like death and violence and like, you know, really the extremities to like hook you. And that's fun. And it's very soap opera-y, but I'm always like, well, I don't really care because like, what's the ethos here? What are we doing? You know, even with the Mandalorian, I'm like, it's, this is great. This is Dungeons and Dragons. You know, you're going on a quest, you find the quest, you got to bring the baby to the person, the person to the eggs. And, but like, I'm like, what are we talking about here? Nothing. He's just flying around space with, you know, I don't, I'm not trying to, you know, bash on that show. It's great, whatever. But, you know, it, it is always sort of coming back to this thing where I'm just sort of expecting there to be this sort of inner meeting that at least is trying to be explored. And I do expect sometimes that to be a complete failure as Star Trek often does, where it's like, what, what are you talking about? That doesn't make sense. Um, but, you know, it just sort of always sort of revolves around that sort of, um, that thing, and and I think one thing that I really do like about Star Trek, which I look for in anything that I consume, is like people trying to be their best person, yeah. you know, really trying to live up to their own ideals, and and then the struggle that comes with that, the failure that comes with that. I, I feel like that's sort of what I'm always looking for, and why a lot of shows or a lot of things I don't, I never really get that into because I'm like I, I'm used to people really, really trying and struggling to do their best, which is, I think, you know, one of the things that is most relatable in everyday life. I feel like so often people, you know, relate to Star Trek because they really do try to be their best and it doesn't always work out, but they see these people on the ship, you know, doing that same thing and and it sometimes working and sometimes not. And, and I think it's just really relatable. You sort of sideline D and D there, but at, at the beginning. But I, I do want to ask you a little bit about. Sure. When did you start playing D and D? It's very new. You know, this is like a new thing oh. for me. So I didn't. You know, I didn't. I actually feel like D and D and Star Trek are like the two fandoms where you can have a picture of you at eight, 
like doing it. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's the only two, you know, like I guess Star Wars, you can sort of do it, but that's like so, you know, everybody has themselves with a lightsaber at some point. Um, uh, so, you know, I didn't get in on the sort of ground floor, but over the past maybe four years, I've gotten really, really into it. And I've also found like during the pandemic, it's just a great way to like stay in touch with people and hang out with them and, you know, keep having adventures with them, the adventures that you can't do in real life right now. So it's just been been a lot of fun and a great way to spend money. You know, when you have all the Star Trek memorabilia and you need to start spending money on something else, I find that very useful. <laughs> That's so funny. I have definitely my friends who play D&D, &D, I feel like they've gotten way more into it since the pandemic started, like definitely going to parks so and having everyone sit six <laughs> feet apart so they can that's keep amazing playing. are you going to start playing ella is that what you're saying are you saying you're interested well they keep teasing me that i'll get to like guest star like on their campaign for like one game but um you will see it hasn't happened yet what i told my um i told um our my co-host on my other podcast is that i feel like i'm now D, D has gotten to this point where I'm not cool enough to play D, &D. Mm. Like my friends who are cooler <laughs> than me, they play D, &D and yeah. I'm like, oh, it'd be really cool if I could come too sometime. That'd be nice. <laughs> uh, I have news for you. They're not cooler than you. <laughs> <laughs> Me, yeah, yeah. Don't worry. I, you know, what's great about D, D is there's no way to be cooler than it because it is the dorkiest <laughs> thing you can imagine. And I say that as, you know, talking to someone who has a bunch of Star Trek books behind them. It's even <laughs> dorkier than that, you know, and I, it's great. So uh, just say, just say to your friends, I'm showing up and you need to teach me how to play or I'm going to take <laughs> some pictures and put them on the internet and embarrass you. Just blackmail my way in. It's nothing wrong advice. with that. It's actually a very D&D &D <laughs> way to engage with it. So I think people will really respond to it. <laughs> Um, so is D&D &D kind of like the only game that you're really into? Do you play lots of video games? Do you like, what else is there? You said it's pretty recent, so. Yeah, you know, uh, I don't do much else. I think like, you know, it's either like I'm working really hard on some sort of acting project, a play or TV show or something, or I'm just like sitting around looking at the wall. So <laughs> it's very much like feast or famine for me. So actually this has been like the one place where it, you know, I, 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 I feel you know, growing up, my parents were all like, turn off the TV, turn off the TV. Oh, Star Trek's on, leave it on. But like, turn it off, turn it off. And then I grew up and I'm like, well, I turned the TV off. What the <laughs> hell am I supposed to do now? And they're like, have you seen this show? I'm like, no, you told me to turn the TV off. You know, so I don't really watch a lot because it feels like they really, you know, another one of their parental indoctrinations has wormed its way into my head. So I actually feel like D&D &D and tabletop RPGs are this great way to sort of combine the, you know, story media element with um, the gameplay element with the creativity element. Because you, re it really is ultimately sort of a... Uh, uh, an outlet for creative storytelling and, and acting and that kind of stuff. So it's, I, I find that I gravitate towards it more with more consistency than maybe a video game or a movie that, you know, you sort of play it through and you're done and that was fun, but then you move on. It sort of uh, fulfills so many different like uh, uh, itches. It scratches so many different itches that it's easy to return to it over and over again. And it's great because 
as it sort of continues to like gain steam before you know it all falls apart and everyone's like it, we're we're in a post D and D world, which will you know <laughs> happen. Um, uh, uh, there's just more and more people who are interested and want to try it out. And it's really fun to get to kind of introduce people to the world for the first time. And it's almost like you get to start at the beginning. So I constantly find myself sort of starting over from the top um, with new people, which is just so fun. So y you do have to play Ella. It's, it's, it's. <laughs> I'm sure I will. <laughs> yeah. I feel like it's, it's inevitable. Yeah. Well, then, no, you got the uh, Star Trek adventures. I, yeah, I have these books. I'm looking at them. You know, it, it's a massive tome. And yes. I'm like, oh, my God, am I going to learn a whole nother rule set? <laughs> I, it's only a matter of I, I it's only a matter of time before I play Star Trek Adventures. Um, but I'm waiting until uh, somebody teaches me because I'm like, I don't want to learn mm -hmm. this myself. I'm not smart enough to figure it out. I just, you know, somebody else has to teach me, but it'll get there. It'll it'll be there. Uh, you know, it's it's funny. I, I started watching. um a little bit of one of the the like actual plays i think shield of tomorrow is that what it's called yeah shield of tomorrow i was right um which is which is a geek and sundry um sda show and actually i was like oh my god like in order to play this game i really need to do a full rewatch of star trek you know because because I feel like so much of the fun of that game from from my little introduction to it comes from sort of interacting with your timeline, but like separate from it. So, you know, yeah. like, what are you doing, you know, in the Delta Quadrant while the Dominion War is happening? And, you know, it's like it's like you get your own little thing going on while the sort of events of Star Trek are playing out. But in order to really put that together, I really need to go back and watch everything because at this point I'm like, it's all it's all just turned to mush in my you know, potato brain. I'm so stupid that I can't remember anything anymore. It has been so gratifying to watch people play it. Yeah. Uh, since I, you know, since I've worked on it in my you know small degree, to then see the people talking about it, see people playing it, it's uh, so much fun. Uh, I actually did do some more extensive writing for a supplement that's coming out sometime later this year. And so I'm really excited to see that because I, I will get to the point where I might actually be able to see people playing an adventure that I wrote. Yeah. yeah, that would be very cool. That would be very cool. I, 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 yeah, I think at some point I'll have to make Mary Chifo play it with me. I think we'll just have to do that. So we'll see. I'm trying to I'm trying to put it off as long as I can because I know that once I commit to it, I'll be like, well, actually, you know, you need to roll two ones. And that actually, you know, it's like, okay, I'm gonna become that person, but I need to I need to, you know, wait as long as I can. But I it's it seems fun and and the people who are playing it seem to really enjoy it. So it's only a matter of time. Yeah. That'd be a very uh, dynamic duo, the two of you playing that yes, game. Yes, yes. You know, and, and, and Ella, maybe you can join us and you can really, you know, put your nose up at your D&D &D friends who won't let you play. We'll have you <laughs> with Star Trek Adventures. Oh, I would love to. Yeah, I haven't even, yeah, I haven't even cracked one of those books. It's the same thing where it's like, I feel like I'm surrounded by people who have this like expansive Star Trek knowledge. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, oh, you know, I feel like for my age and being a Trekkie, <laughs> I, you know, I got a couple of, I'm like kind of ready, but at the yeah. same time, it's like, oh, there's just, yeah, the timelines and everything is a lot, but it's intimidating yeah. to be sure. Yeah. But, you be, know, I'd be happy to learn for sure. 
if 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 it's just us playing, I can just make it up, and then I know you won't question me. It's really when we start to live stream, <laughs> people are like, "No, wrong, wrong." What's going on here? Yeah. Well, I feel like I'd be learning from the best, you know. I mean, <laughs> you'd be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Did the role playing aspect? Or I guess you said that you didn't play D and D as a kid. No, yeah, you know, it, it's interesting, like, in terms of, like, acting in D&D. I was talking with Anthony Rapp about it, who plays in the game that I run with the Star Trek people. And it's, as an actor, so often you are told, you know, here, especially on a, on a long-running series, you know, where you have new writers coming in, you have new directors coming in. So often it's, you get a script or a rewrite or something, and they're like, the character does this, and you're like, what the hell are you talking about? There is no <laughs> way they would do this. This is so wrong. This is so backwards. And, you know, you have to decide if you want to go to bat for it or not, and eventually you wind up just doing it anyway. And, you know, it just happens so often. And what's so great as approaching this game as an actor is not really actually the chance to, like, act. It's the chance to really control your character's story in a way that you aren't able to so often in in the sort of you know capital p profession so you know that's really like kind of the intersection between acting and and, and role playing it's not really the acting part because that's something like we get to do and you know you really get a different character it's really being in control of the story and saying i know what they would do and you can't tell me otherwise and i'm going to do it it's great that's awesome because i was going to ask you know i'm curious some um sort of when you decided to that you wanted to pursue acting as a career like if star trek influenced you at all you know watching it from such a young age you know it's funny because both because of the timing of the way the show is rolling out and my own personal relationship to it i never really thought like oh i could be on that show you know it was just like well they're in a spaceship i i how am i going to get out there you know um <laughs> But, you know, I went to UC Santa Cruz for undergrad and I was great and I had a great time. Uh, and then I was graduating. It's like, I don't know what the hell I'm going to do. So I was like, well, I'll audition for Juilliard. That seems like a totally reasonable thing to do. Uh, and so then I went out to New York and went to Juilliard. And during that period where it's like you're sort of transitioning from, you know, somebody doing high school plays to like doing them in undergrad and then graduate school that was basically, you know, it's post enterprise. The JJ movie had come out. One of them is amazing. And then they sort of start to tail <laughs> off, you know, don't at me, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but it didn't, but even those movies, they felt, you know, they're such massive blockbusters. They do, they don't feel like, in a good way, I think, they don't feel like a long, stretched out series. They feel like sort of one offs that will yeah. come and go. Um, and uh, and it and it was only when I was just about to graduate Juilliard that I like heard some rumor from some you know website deep in the dark net or whatever that was like hey they're thinking about bringing back a Star Trek series on on whatever you know and it was the only time I've ever asked my manager is like hey if you hear anything about it can you like get me in for it and he was like probably not and I was like totally that's totally fair. <laughs> Um, cool? But I never really thought about it, you know, in terms of like, oh, this is what I could do. I could I could do that. It was like its own separate thing. And then even when Mary, my wife, Mary Wiseman, auditioned for it, it still felt like 
I, it was like something fun that she got to do. And it didn't feel like something that could actually exist in the real world um, until suddenly like you were there, you know? So, so it wasn't really until I visited her on set the first few times and was like, oh, dang, like this is a real TV show. You know, the ship is on the ground the whole time. Uh, I could totally be here. I'm in, they, I could probably hide in this set and they could lock the door. <laughs> so technically I would like be there. So, so it wasn't really until then where I was like, oh, I could be on this show. We definitely, you know, want to talk about that. I want to back up for one second, just confirm that you were a theater kid in high school is what I'm hearing. <laughs> yeah, Doug. Oh my God. I was a theater kid. I was a theater kid in elementary school <laughs> and then middle school and then high school and then college and then graduate school. So uh, <laughs> terrible mistake. Don't do it. It was, you know, you asked me like, when did I decide to be an actor? And I'm like thinking, is there a time machine I could take to like maybe have me reconsider that decision? Uh, but it's too late now. Yeah. But it was, yeah, totally, total, total theater kid. Uh, absolute uh, Dorcas Flamarcus. Well, if it makes you feel better, I went to, I ended up going to a very artsy school for uh, both middle and high school, just like mm -hmm. by chance. And so I also was just, it just happened to me <laughs> versus yeah. the other way around. Not it's not fair when it happens to you. You don't have a choice in the direction of, of your life going immediately downhill. <laughs> you, you mentioned that uh, when you heard the rumors of the new show that you talk to your managers about it and stuff, and then it started happening. But when was there the time, you know, at some point when Mary first said to you, I'm auditioning for Star Trek, what was that like? Well, when she was auditioning for it, you know, it was all, it was so, so the audition itself was like a self tape, which is essentially, you know, they email you a script, you stand in front of a wall somewhere and you read the lines and you basically just like email it into a trash. You know what I mean? You just like email this tape. No one will ever see it. You just wasted five hours of your life, you know? <laughs> so, so that was sort of the thing. It's like, oh, this is so cool. But also the script itself, it wasn't super memorable. It was a little bit of techno babble. It was just like very early proto Tilly kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't, you know, like, you know, here are the D, here's the blueprint of the Enterprise D, you know, it's like, it was just <laughs> sort of like generally science fiction with a little bit of techno babble, but it was fun to work with her on it. And she's, you know, we sent off this tape, but we didn't, she didn't hear anything. And for a show like this, you expect, oh, you know, you'll get brought in for producers, maybe multiple times. You'll have multiple callbacks, auditions, in-person auditions. You know, you sort of expect it to be a really, really intense process. Uh, and, and basically I was at dinner with my dad and my cousin and we were just like hanging out and she had like was coming from somewhere to meet us and she sat down and she like was like hey and i was like hi how are you and she's like i booked star trek i was like what what like huh like what are you talking about and she's like yeah they just like told me i got it and i was like no that's a mistake like that can't be right like, no. uh and she was you know so so it was like oh but even then it didn't really like quite make sense you know this was sort of her first big biggest tv job you know she was doing a play in the city um and i don't think you know it it all sort of made sense until i was up there in toronto during the first season 
I think the first time I went up was maybe for the uh, the season one season premiere. Uh, I think, I mean, that can't be right. I must've been up there before then, but it feels like, you know, that was the first time where I was meeting the whole cast and everyone was mm. there and then got to meet, you know, all the creative team and the producing team. And they did like, you know, back when after track was on, they were doing sort of a live streamed remote after track. So that was when I really was like, Oh damn, this is like the real deal. This is really happening. So, so it, it, it was a while before it really all kind of set in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is just kind of an aside, but I was just kind of curious if you uh, got to meet our friend uh, Kirsten Beyer. Who was oh yeah, of course. I, I, I we hung out all the time. Absolutely, she's oh. the best. She's so great. Um, yeah, we she was around all the time. Absolutely. Yeah, I, yeah. I've I've known her for I don't know twelve, fifteen years because Amazing. of the, the, the Star Trek writing I've done, and and uh, yeah, she is the best. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, she yeah. was definitely front and center for a couple of my good, like, 12, 13-year-old Star Trek conventions. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Ella, Ella calls her her Star Trek aunt. I love I that. I do. I love mm -hmm. that. That's perfect. That's perfect. <laughs> um, had you and Mary kind of watched Star Trek together at all before she was auditioning, or did, was that not really part of your, like, dynamic? Um, she knew about Star Trek and it's 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 place in our household you know sort of the way that you know the church might be really important to a family you know their religious beliefs might be really important to a family you're getting to know you know maybe maybe like the lore about the great uncle you know who was you know in world war ii might be important to a family's identity that sort of she understood very quickly that was the the role that that you know uh, Star Trek played in our little uh, in my my family, um, but we didn't watch it so much, mainly because I I I wasn't watching Star Trek all the time. There was no new Star Trek. It was very much lulled, you know. In in grad school, our final year, you get your own private dressing room, and I went to uh, like a Goodwill and I bought like one of those old like TV DVD all in ones. And I think actually my mom sent me like the best of Q DVDs, you know, it was like $2 <laughs> on eBay or whatever. And so I had that running all the time in the boys dressing room and everyone was like, why the hell am I watching it? Why am I liking it too? And John Delancey's, <laughs> John Delancey's Juilliard. So it felt very much on topic. Um, but that was sort of like how I was watching Star Trek was like instead of going to a really important rehearsal or like a really, really uh, high powered meeting with an agent, I'd be like, oh, cute. Who? Let's watch that again. You know, <laughs> um, uh, and uh, uh, but once she booked it, I was like, all right, what is like because because there was no time she was she was working. She was like at the lead of this show. It was really crazy it was taking up all of her energy all of her thinking and her timeline was basically she closed the sh she was going to close the show on like april 2nd and fly up to toronto on the third and like start shooting on the fourth or start whatever wow. pre-production on the fourth and it was like how can i get her like up to speed in i, I was like a two in two two things i have two things to give her how can i like get her completely up to speed so i I had her watch two things. I had her watch uh, Next Gen The Offspring 
because I felt like that is a perfect episode of Star Trek and the episode that's really going to speak to her. You know, it's not really about like this sort of sciencey stuff. It's not really about like, you know, large machinations of like political powers. Mm -hmm. It's very contained, very emotional, um, but also has a very unique take on that sort of situation. And then the second thing I had her watch was Trekkies. Um, oh. Which I guess people like don't like anymore. I'm just learning that people like are like rejecting that movie or something. I don't know. Whatever. I watched it like 50 times when I was a kid, and it was great. And I had her watch it, and she sort of like sat there very quietly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was laughing. I was like, "Oh, I remember this guy," you know. This shit. And she was like, "Very, very." It was like she was watching like you know Schindler's List or something, and but. But I think that that helped really helped her understand. It gave her a real understanding of, you know, more than just, you know, an occasional TNG rerun that she might have picked up mm -hmm. in 95 or something like that. So that was sort of our watching history. And I think she would watch more. She's always talked, you know, she always really wants to watch DS9, you know. She's always like, oh, I've watched DS9. But I honestly, she just like hasn't had the time and then in the off season when she's not shooting, she's like, leave me alone. I'm not thinking about Star Trek. I'm not doing Star <laughs> Trek. Like, go watch it in the bedroom and don't speak. At what point did you uh, find out about the part of Rin? Was that your first first chance yeah. to try to get on the show? Or? So, so in that first, um, the first time I was up on set, uh, I was talking a lot, lot with Akiva, one of the producers, yep. Akiva Goldman, and um, I sort of had all my Star Trek photos on my phone and was showing him all of my stuff. And then he whipped out his phone and was like, look, it's me in like, you know, 78 and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, my God. So so he was like sort of waiting for the person who's like, this is cool, right? And I was like, no, that's me. So so we were talking and he was like, oh, we got to get you on as an extra. We'll throw you in a uniform, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, my God, amazing. Let's do that. And we went to, it was like a after dinner thing and we were sitting at a table and I was, you know, we were just like going back and forth and he's like, look, like, it's great. We're talking, but the person you need to talk to is this guy, Alex Kurtzman. And, uh, and so I immediately, you know, was like talking to him and showed him the pictures. He's like, oh, cool. Yeah. That's really neat. Um, and I, as I was talking to him, one of somebody from CBS all access was like, Hey, sort of interrupted. was like, do I know you from somewhere? Have we met before? And I was like, definitely not there's no way you know there's no way and she's like no no i do and i'm like you are mistaken that's 100 percent wrong but she's like no i remember you were on an episode of the good fight which was sort of like cbs's launch cbs all access's launch so that i had yeah. done uh a, an episode on and i was like oh yeah you know i i was on this essentially this platform before star trek had even launched and so Alex was like, oh, like, you know, you're you're not just a Star Trek fan. Your mom isn't just obsessed and has <laughs> made you an insane person. Like, you're actually like a real actor as well. Um, and so, like, from that, I would sort of come into consideration. Now, and again, I, I auditioned for Spock early on, and, and which was amazing. He was originally, like, they sent out a uh, side script for him, which were... Um, like code name Tom the Andorian, 
which I thought was really funny. I was reading it and I was like, this is not Andorian. This is a Vulcan. <laughs> and this is like, this is Spock. So like, you know, but it was great because they were really difficult sides. They didn't, they were the sides where he's, you know, talking about Alice in Wonderland and all sorts of stuff. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, and if you didn't have an understanding of Trek, it really would have been almost gobbledygook. You know, it's like, how do you, what are you supposed to do with this? Like, and so much of it is that sort of Vulcan attitude. That's what sort yeah. of made it come to light. Um, and, and, you know, Ethan, of course, does an amazing job, and I'm so happy that he's playing Spock and not me because, like, I was worried, like, was I enduring enough? Is Jeffrey Combs going to, like, put a hit out on me? So I can't <laughs> imagine what, you know, what what I would, you know, Ethan, what I would have done if I was playing that. I would just be dead. Um, and Ethan just does an amazing job. Um, but, uh, but from there, you know, people saw the tape. They really liked it. This guy really gets the tone. He really is, like, nailing it. And then, you know, I was in Toronto for season three, just like living up there. And they were like, hey, you know, we have this audition. Will you fly back to New York audition at CBS? And it was it was just sort of like, yeah, sure. You know, whatever. It was just very like a very classic. It felt the 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 side. I remember it feeling very deep space nine where it was like there was a lot of talk of Cardassians and it was very much like you're doing a secret thing in the corner and and all that stuff um and it just was you know it was just like oh i really get this tone and really feel it um and then you know the rest was just kind of history it just sort of like happened very quickly after that um and suddenly like i was on set getting like my face mold made and still trying to figure out you know I didn't know who this guy was. I didn't know if he was an Andorian or an Orion. You know, they weren't sure. A lot of like the the prosthetics guys were a little confused between Rin and Tolor, who I think was getting cast at the same time. So like, oh, you're an you're an Orion or an Andorian. I don't know. And I'm like, but what is it that's important to me? You know, like which color am I? Um, that's a big difference. Yeah. So so it was. Uh, it just sort of happened very fast, and I think like. It, it, sort of getting the part I was just sort of like great okay cool and then I think when I put the mask on for maybe the first time and showed everybody and oh it's so cool and then I was like awesome and then I looked in the mirror and I was like oh man I actually have to like be on this show now this isn't just like I want to sweepstakes and like get to walk around and have people high five me <laughs> like I have to figure out how to like actually do a, a halfway decent job so I don't you know drive my car off a cliff later on. <laughs> um, so that was sort of the experience of like getting the job. God, that's wild. Well, you definitely did a more than decent job, I will say. <laughs> I'll take it, I'll take it. So, <laughs> yeah. So I know I did, you know, in my research, I know that you have um, a cute story about telling your mom that you had booked the part. Um, can you talk about that for a little bit? Yeah, you know, I. I just I I I I have a video of her getting watching it and I have a video of us telling her that Mary got it and it's mm -hmm. funny because basically both of the videos are her just like her face just literally like going so wide in shock and then immediately crying and then immediately transitioning to screaming and then when I <laughs> called my mom she 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 left for a second I was like mom where did you go and then she she just ran behind the back of the FaceTime, 
holding a model enterprise, like the one you have back there, just flying it around. Like she was like, you're on the ship, you've done it, you know? So she was, um, she was very excited and, and deeply uh, overwhelmed. Um, so it was, it was uh, you know, it was something that we've gotten to share, which has been really, really fun, really fun. Yeah, it, it reminds me a little of um, when Elle and I were at a Star Trek convention. We got to meet uh, Anson and Ethan, and but I was talking to Anson for a while, and I was telling him how that, you know, as a lifelong fan, you know, I've been a, you know, about 50 years now, I've been a raving Star Trek fan, and I was telling him how much it meant to me to see him and Ethan being able to come into these pre-existing characters and introduce them to a new generation and, and how great that was. And, and, and he sort of leaned close to me and said, and imagine feeling that way. And then they tell you, you get to be the captain, <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah, and okay. so, yeah, when you have, you know, an investment in something like this, an emotional investment already, and then to get to become a part of it. Yeah. That's a big deal. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, very, very cool. Very cool, to say the least. We had a fraction of that when we heard that Kirsten was going to be involved. We were ecstatic enough. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Of course. Of course. You know, it's just like every step you get closer, it's like, all right, this is good. This is good. This is the right direction. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Well, you know, I do the uh, the copy editing on the Simon & Schuster novel line. And so then I was working on David Mack's first discovery novel before the show was on the air. Amazing. So, That's awesome. So I had to, you know, I had to sign an NDA with CBS and an NDA with Simon and Schuster. And then I was on the script distribution list so that I could see what the characters are like a little bit so that it would mm -hmm. inform my copy editing of the novel. And yeah, it's all very exciting, and you know, you you, you feel almost like you're, you know, you're on this secret mission. Mm -hmm, you, mm -hmm. you can't tell people about stuff. It's very <laughs> exciting. That's awesome. And well, then, and I, um, you know, I joke about this. I have a like a Discovery recap podcast that I do, and so I joke about this on there. But when he says that he signed an NDA, like he means it. Like I didn't get a drop of information out of that man <laughs> ever. Like. Not even you know a what? facial expression. I have access to all the scripts. I can read them all at my leisure. And <laughs> I, for a while I was, you know, I wanted to be in the know. I wanted to like know what was coming, but I actually found I had way more fun watching the shows as a blank slate. So it's yeah. sort of like really getting the best of both worlds where it's like, if I want to look at it, I can, or if like, I'm curious <laughs> about something, but I do think that actually watching the shows without reading the scripts winds up being better. Cause so often there's stuff that you imagine in the script that is uh, just like is, is different. Or you're like, some of the times I'm like, I don't get this script. I don't see how it's going to work. I don't, I don't know if I like it. And I come in sort of with my arms crossed and then it like totally kicks ass. And I'm like, Oh great. Well, I'm an idiot. That's, that's it. You know? <laughs> Uh, so I stopped reading them just because I would always get them wrong. Um, but it is cool to just like kind of get to do them. And then, you know, as Scott I'm sure has been doing his whole life, just completely hold it over you. <laughs> yeah, he definitely, well, I mean, your poker face was astounding, you know? And I, 
I generally do not have a poker face, mm. and yet yeah. somehow I was able to maintain. He has been practicing when... trying to do Starfleet pro- protocol his whole <laughs> life. He's finally got a chance to maintain the prime directive, and he's not screwing this one up. <laughs> he, well, and the most impressive part is that I, and I still, I think this is hysterical. I, like, I looked you in the eyes, and I was like, Michael is Spock's adopted sister, <laughs> and there was no reaction. Yeah, she she nailed and, like, it early on. If, jo- if Jordy was, like, was there or Troy was there, it'd be like his heart rate is spiking. I, I think he's gonna die. <laughs> I and immediately I like... that night, then I immediately emailed Kirsten and said, "You're not gonna believe this, but Ella, <laughs> Ella already figured it out." Amazing, amazing. Oh uh, yeah. Well, and I was like, you know, I was really joking. I think for the most part, when I said that the first time someone happened to show, I was like, oh my god. But yeah, it was just nothing. You're just a clairvoyant. <laughs> There's nothing else to it. You're just totally. Clairvoyant. I mean, exactly. Yeah, it's gifted. Mm-hmm. The best thing about my having access to the scripts beforehand was that I knew that there was going to be the reveal of the Enterprise that, mm. uh, that, that, on that season finale. So I started. Uh, videoing Ella as we were watching the episode. <laughs> so I captured her Amazing. reaction. Amazing. Yeah, just tears. <laughs> Which was turning to you, Scott, and be like, I knew it was going to happen. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I turn his hat, he has like the phone up. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. I love that. That's awesome. Well, yeah, well, and, um, you know, obviously TOS is like so many people's first show. It feels like my first show and Spock has always been my favorite character throughout like everything. And so then the Enterprise comes in and I'm like, oh my God, it's is happening. He there? Is he there? Is he there? <laughs> I and think then, Ethan know, just does such a good job there. as Spock too. I got to I got to be on set a bunch when he was working and everyone was like, damn, like he's so good. His voice is like so low and sort of rumbly. He really has it. You know, it's one of those things where you're like, are you just like actually a Vulcan, Ethan? Is that the thing? Are you just like an emotionless, like dead-eyed weirdo? Or are you just really good at acting? Sorry, Ethan, you're great. He was so, uh, I mean, and he had like big shoes to fill, obviously. But yeah, I mean, I think he did fantastic as well. I'm sure your Spock would have been just as good. But it would have been bad. Hey, everybody, it's me, Mr. Spock. If they if uh, they make a so Spock a Spock mm-hmm. sitcom, th- yeah. then they have to cap you. Absolutely. Dude, WandaVision. WandaVision <laughs> with Spock, yeah. Yeah. I think so. It I think work. so. Listen, I mean, at this point, anything can happen. I I think who knows what could come next. Oh, that's how I feel. We've moved past uh, talking about Rin, um, but uh, <laughs> I'm curious if like if you knew his story right away and like what what you sort of thought or felt when you realized that his redemption arc was going to end uh, the way that it did? You know, I didn't know his story. And I made a decision early on to not learn it because I got the impression, again, being a Star Trek fan, you sniff out what's coming with people. You know what's coming. I knew he was going to die. So I was like, I don't actually want to know right now because I'm pretty sure I will be so bummed that I'll be spending all of my energy trying to like get over it, that I will do a worse job of the actual job of acting. So I decided, you know what, like, I don't want to know. I don't want to know what's going on. Don't, I'm not going to get into it. I'm just going to like take it moment to moment, which I'm really glad I did because he did, 
you know, spoiler, he did die and I was right. So proved everybody that I knew what I was talking about. Um, <laughs> but I did feel, you know, obviously no, no actor wants their character to die on any show unless they really want to leave. Um, so it's, it's of course was a bummer, but I also, you know, felt I had, I, I felt a couple ways just like in terms of, oh, of course I would want to do it forever and ever and ever, but you know, that's just not how things work in life, you know, so it was, it was whatever. Um, but I did feel like what I really liked about, you know, what you're talking about, like his redemption arc was that there was so much left there, you know, both like who he was, who he could be, where he came from, all these relationships that are just sort of like, you get the first sentence of, and I really like that because so often in Star Trek, one of the great things is like, you know, everything about everything, you know, you know, every deck and corridor of every ship, you know, how this, you know, the made up technology works, you know, it's like, you know, everything. And so to have to, to get to play something a little bit different where you don't know and you would like to know more and it's not there it's not readily available for you i find is really fun and kind of like drives that attraction to a character like that and you know i also think like in terms of star trek redemption arcs i think that is like it's my favorite kind of redemption arc on star trek which i think star trek does so well which is that the character is redeemed the character regains what they have lost the character finds themselves again but it's not perfect you know it's not a sitcom it's not you know everything is tied with the bow and you get the medal at the end it's like something is lost or something is learned or there's a real cost to having to you know regain the thing that you've lost so so i really like that's how he ended as opposed you know there's there's a million ways it could have gone mm -hmm. and in that sense i really like that it was sort of shocking and surprising and before you were ready before you saw it coming and before you knew everything too so it you know i of course you know you want everyone to live forever and of course my mom wants that but there was something kind of nice about how that all ended um and then I got a year, you know, I basically had a year to like get over it too, which really helped. <laughs> that really helped, you know? Well, and since, uh, you know, you, you referenced Jeffrey Combs, the, Anything one of the great things possible. about, about uh, playing on Star Trek and playing uh, something under makeup is that you could come back as a different character. It's true. It's They've true. already got the mold of your face. <laughs> Anything is possible in Star Trek. Anything is possible. <laughs> Would there be another race that you would most particularly like to play? Well, yeah, you know, people have asked me that question. I have a, I, I, I'm very curious to know what the Cardassians are doing as a part of the Federation in the future. Like, what's their deal now? Can I still get some of? I, I, as an actor, mm -hmm. I think the Cardassian ethos is most interesting. Uh, like a fun thing to play, which is like, you really don't know if they're good or bad ever, you know? And I like that complexity and that sort of mask that they put up. Um, but I also think, you know, 
now that they're in the future, like the opportunity to introduce new races and and new species and create new canon is is readily available and and getting the chance to be a part of canon in the way of like sort of being the you know the second generation of Andorians, you really get a real taste for that that canon and you kind of want to keep making some more. so that that would mm-hmm. be really, really attractive as well. Everybody wants to be Garrick, I think, for sure, though. Oh, my God. It's so <laughs> annoying. It's so annoying. <laughs> it's, he's, it's, Andrew, I'm, everyone is like, everyone would, every actor would secretly push Andrew Robinson off a bridge and be like, I can't <laughs> recast him. Sorry. I, I don't know what happened. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. He, I'm, um, dying to see the Cardassians. And, yeah like any any series i've like i've just been waiting <laughs> crossing my little fingers they're all they've been in the background a ton and i want just want to know what what are these what are these assholes up to what's going on yeah, some more yeah i have one last question sure who is your favorite discovery co-star and why, why is, is it Mary wiseman why is no. it Mary Wiseman? No, Grudge is go- not my most favorite <laughs> Discovery co-star. That cat hated my guts. He was absolute nightmare. I don't understand. <laughs> David has a picture with him holding two grudges. I worked a 12-hour day with that goddamn cat. There was only one. Uh, you know the scene that i did with grudge he was supposed it was supposed to be like i'm freaked out and like he comforts me and there's one shot where it's like i'm like got my head up on him but that cat hated my guts so much (laughs) that we had to completely redo the scene where it was like what's this cat get it out of here and then i would just chuck it and it would just run away and by the end of the day, I was wearing this sort of like leather shawl and it was just covered in cat scratches. <laughs> and it was looking at me and I was like, you know, today is the day I'm actually so thankful to be coated in a quarter inch of rubber because I think this thing is coming from my face. And we had to redo the all the sound from the scene. He had to ADR it out because the cat was screaming, screaming the whole time. So the sound guy was like, I don't, I just, I don't, I'm not even going to put the boom up for this because... <laughs> It's just a cat yelling at the top of its lungs. Uh, yeah, and and in it was like it was like oh my god, how'd they get that cat to jump in your lap? And I was like, no, somebody picked it up and threw it at me. <laughs> like that cat was not jumping anywhere. We spent ten minutes trying to like have it walk on the the console for a second, or, like jump from the console to my lap. At the end of the day, and I looked up at Jonathan Frakes, who's directing that episode, and I was like, dude, it's not gonna happen. He's like. <laughs> It. I can't. Yeah, just like it's not happening. This isn't happening. Yeah. Oh so, uh, yeah, not that. That's my. That's my most antagonistic relationship with anyone in the Star Trek extended universe, including Beta Canon. Everyone. I also just can't imagine the idea. It's like I hate like the five minute ride with my cat to the vet the sounds that she makes <laughs> yes, like exactly. the idea that to be working with a cat on set and it's just screaming the whole time yeah yeah it was bad you know it was like i'm holding it and it looks like it's like up on my shoulder or whatever but like h- halfway through the day i was like dude my arms are sore because i'm 
flocking this cat to my chest because it's so he's a big cat. Yeah. Wants Here, to get yeah. away. Yeah. My I was literally sore by the end of the day. Um so yeah, that was it was it was difficult. And nobody was helping me. Nobody was there <laughs> at my back. Emily was just laughing at me. Uh, so there couldn't, if if Rin had survived, there wouldn't have been a spin-off Adventures of Rin and Grudge. <laughs> you know, I think it would have been like me and Book get along great, and then there's real like you know real tension between me and Grudge. That's where the story, <laughs> the story revolves. And of course, like when Mary works with it, it's like meow, like let me hop on your back and I'll like do muffins on you. Like oh my god, Mary's like Mary, yeah. Tilly's like I hate cats, and then the cat's like, well I love you. And then meanwhile I'm like save me, I feel so scared. And the cat's like go to hell, <laughs> screw you. Oh, staying true uh, to her name. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I guess we do have to let you talk about what it was like to work with your wife on Star Trek. Uh, oh, <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. It was so great to get to have some scenes with her. Uh, I was deeply intimidated. She made it very clear just from her presence that I was on her set. It was very clear. This is like, <laughs> this is my house and like, you're welcome in. But it was also very nervous because I was like, you know, I have to do the family proud. If I come in, I really blow it. Everyone's going to be looking at her differently the rest of the time. But the, <laughs> the funny story is the first scene we did together was the scene where I sort of, you know, come into the ready room and I'm like, I I want to talk to this captain. And she's like, no, you don't, whatever. And I remember the day before working on the lines, I'm, like, I'm going to come in and like kick the door down and be screaming at her. And like, we're going to really get into it. It's going to be a real, real, real fight between us. And, and, uh, and I came in and I was really hot. You know, where's this captain? Blah, blah, blah. And Jonathan Franks came up to me. He's like, hey, Noah, like you need to you need to chill out. I don't know what you're doing. But this is not this. I was like, oh, my God. You know, this is it. I quit acting. I just somebody shoot me into the sun. This is the worst thing that's ever happened to me. Let me just see if I could survive the rest of the day. And, you know, I was leaving set and. Uh, me and Mary were like heading back to the trailers together and she was like, I was like, well, how was, how was your day? And she's like, it was terrible. I was like, what do you mean? What happened? And she was like, well, I was going to come in like just super hot and like yelling and giving it to you. And Jonathan was like, Mary, you need to chill out. That is not the scene at all. <laughs> uh, so we both had sort of, we're going to have like a couple's spat. Uh, in the, in the, in the ready room of discovery. And Jonathan Frakes was like, uh, no, we need to know what's going going on on the the alien planet. Not that you guys have like real sexual chemistry between each other in the ready room in the future. Sorry, guys. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. Okay, well, I think we might be running out of time here. Um... Well, thank you guys so much for having me. Uh, uh, it's been a been a great chat, and uh, you know, hopefully, we'll uh, we'll 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 see each other at a convention sometime in the hopefully soon future. That would be oh, nice. We can only hope. Yeah. I, I vaguely remember when we were able to have conventions. <laughs> It'll be yeah, nice that to was in a, that was in the alternate timeline, but we'll try and yeah. we'll try and yeah. see if we can reconvene on that one soon. Yes. Well, thanks so so much for coming on. It was great. Yeah. Absolutely, guys. Absolutely. All right, you guys. I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Yep. See ya. Yeah, definitely. Bye now. That is all the time we have for this episode. Tune in next time for more Geeky Fun. Until then, check out our website, generationsgeek.com. 
for blog posts or to stream any of our episodes and consider dropping something in our tip jar on Ko-Fi. Please leave a review for us uh, wherever you can. It really helps out the show. Um, and tell your friends and your frenemies. You never know. And you can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook if you still use Facebook. Thanks for listening and come back next time. <laughs> you didn't say it with me. Oh, I forgot. You yeah, do it again. Thanks for listening and come back next come time. Come back next time. <laughs> what? No geeks were harmed in the making of this podcast. Ooh, shiny. <laughs>